Hello, believers, and welcome to another episode of Branding for Believers, the podcast that equips entrepreneurs and influencers with the tools, the strategies, the confidence, and most of all, the faith to believe bigger in their dreams. I'm Dr. Shantae, and I am pleased to continue our wealth series. In this particular episode, our special guest and our expert for today is Tara Jones, who is a personal finance coach and educator, and she is the creator of Your Pretty Pennies, and she has a passion for assisting money-conscious creatives, entrepreneurs, and professionals with becoming financially stable so that they can build wealth while truly living their purpose. And so she is tailor-made for this audience, for this podcast audience. And Tara, thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I am a longtime listener and such a, such a big fan. So thank you for having me. Thank you for accepting the invitation. And I'm loving that. Like back to back, our two experts have been fans of the show. And I love when we can build that relationship of of reciprocity where you see value in what I'm doing. I see value in what you're doing. And most of all, we can come together and give value for this audience. So this is an exciting time. Agreed. Yes. So Tara, tell us a little bit about Your Pretty Pennies. Okay. So YourPrettyPennies.com is a blog and spot where young individuals who are ready to become financially free, financially stable, can come and receive information, inspiration, so they can begin to build wealth. It seems like nowadays everybody wants to build wealth, but they don't know the the steps that you need to take before you start. So that's where I come in. I teach individuals how to plan, budget, pay off debt, organize their finances, and get their, you know, their financial situation ready for them to start going to the next financial level, which is building wealth. And one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that finance kind of breaks down into two categories. And and I'm sharing this with you guys because what prompted me to start this series is I had to sit down with my financial advisor and I'll be honest with you, I was kind of like avoiding it, right? Because I didn't want to hear what he had to say. And I just didn't Mm. want to look at the picture because money is very emotional and It's that thing in the back of your head where you know you should do better, but you aren't doing better. And so when I finally sat down and had to sit down with him, he kind of broke it down into two categories. There's risk management. So those are the things that, you know, can can take you down like a job loss and have you manage for that risk. And then there's wealth acquisition, which I think that you do a really great job of helping people with both of those. Yes. So risk management, if you want to become financially stable, financially free, however you want to coin the term for yourself, you have to know what steps to take. So risk management, are you putting your money in places where you are going to run the risk of losing it? So high debt, that's not good. Low debt, okay. But also wealth acquisition, in order to get to a place where you are creating a positive net worth and you are able to start building wealth, you have to first rid your life of the financial inadequacies that you have, these bad financial habits. And, you know, you just have to educate yourself on how to manage your money on a day to day to where you can start building your money so you can build wealth. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, we do things, we have habits, we have things coming out of our accounts and we're not really keeping track of it. And so I'm curious, can you share with our listeners, what prompted you to this platform? What prompted you to start Your Pretty Pennies? What was kind of the fire that was lit under you? The fire that was lit under me was once I came out of college with uh, my background in biology and in finance, I realized as I asked colleagues, coworkers, uh, friends, and family, people are reaching out to me to help them with financial coaching. 
they didn't know how to properly use a budget. They didn't know the steps to take on how to pay off debt. They were very defeated by their financial situation. They weren't proactive with creating a financial plan that allowed them to rid their life of their financial woes so they can start building wealth. That is like the hot phrase right now. I want to invest. I want to build wealth. But they have no income. They have no residual income to put towards the wealth building strategy. That's where I come in where I felt like I am really good at. One thing that did prompt me more than anything to really get control of my finances personally was my experience with money. When I was 21, I was a sophomore in college. I became pregnant and I became a single mom. When I brought my little bundle of joy home, I had zero dollars in my bank account, zero dollars. And so I told myself that night, first night I came home with my daughter. Luckily, she stayed, she slept through the night because I cried through that night. I will never be in this place again. And not only will I not be in this place again, I will help others not be in this place again, because it all starts with financial knowledge. Unfortunately, our parents don't talk to us about money like they should. Definitely, the school system do not properly teach us how to manage money on a day-to-day basis. They don't get into details about that. So we miss the mark on a lot of things. So by the time we're 21, we have uh, bad habits that are already developed. We have misnomers and myths about money that we've never gotten clarified. So we find ourselves in these real life situations at the age of 21, 25, 26, 27, and we have no means to back them up financially. So Your Pretty Pennies is a place that encourages and inspires and educates individuals all at once to let them know you can still be pretty. That's where the term pretty pennies came from. I'm going to make money management pretty again. I don't want it to be daunting, to be, you know, boring, to be fearful. So a lot of people avoid their financial situation, their debt. They don't want to see the numbers. They don't want to check their banking account. They don't want to open up those bills. I want people to be proactive instead of reactive about their finances again. So getting back to what you said, you said something very key. Stop being afraid of the numbers. And It's one of those things where if you don't face it, you can't address it. There's no shame. We all have have made mistakes. We've all made some purchases that we shouldn't have, done some things that we're not proud of, had money and just blown it, you know? Exactly. And your story about being 21 years old with a newborn baby and, you know, as my granny say, not a pot to pee in or a window to throw (laughs) it out of. You know, Mm -hmm. that is that is scary. okay? because I'm a mother. Many of you listening, you are parents and you know that feeling of feeling like you can't provide for your child. You know, it's very defeating. And so Tara turned that around into something that's very empowering. One of the things that you have talked about is, you know, building wealth. And sometimes you see these hashtags floating around, hashtag financial goals. What exactly are financial goals? Because I don't think everybody has a clear understanding on what that really means. Financial goals are goals that you set for your finances that you want to accomplish. Again, everybody hashtag financial goals, hashtag this, hashtag that, but they're not creating goals that are, that are going to propel them to actually achieve them. So on my website, you can find um, this list, but also I'll give it to you here. I teach my clients and individuals who come to our you know, homepage to set SMART financial goals. So I use the old-fashioned acronym S-M-A-R-T to create financial goals. And so they should be specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-sensitive. 
So that means when we're creating a goal, it should not be so broad that you have five years to get it done. It should not be so broad that you don't know where you're putting it. So, for example, if I use the example that I am going to save $5,000 in my emergency fund account. By being specific, I just said I'm saving $5,000, the amount where I plan to save it in an emergency fund savings account, okay? And I'm going to take 12 months to do it. So I give myself 12 months, so that's time bound. So that means I need to be checking in every month to see how close I am to my goal. Usually we just throw out a number and say, oh, I really need to create a savings account or I need to save $5,000, but we don't give ourselves a time limit. So that that goal turns into a five-year goal when you could have gotten it done in seven months or you could have gotten it done in a year. So that is key. When you are creating your hashtag financial goal, make sure it is smart, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-sensitive. I love that. So believers, I hope you guys are, are writing that down is that when you have financial goals, that can't be a broad term. You know, it can't be a hashtag. You actually have to put some metrics behind that. And one of the key principles in business and life is that you cannot measure. Um, I mean, you cannot manage what you don't measure. So you can't manage your money if you're not measuring your money. You can't manage your goals if you're not measuring your goals. And that comes down to the point of being accountable. And so in terms of tools, just realistic tools that you recommend for people, because we have to talk about the dreaded B word, right? Dun, dun, yes. dun. <laughs> Budget. Budget. <laughs> um, people have real struggles with budget. Uh, tell me, what are some of the struggles that you've seen with budget? And what are some of the remedies that you have for people that are struggling? Well, let's back that up and let's be clear what budget is. Because once we redefine what the term budget is, maybe people will not look at it in a bad light. What a budget is, it is a tool that allows you to allocate every dollar you receive in one month to where you can save or pay yourself, spend or pay bills, buy groceries, etc., and tithe. So if you are able, and that's what everybody's basic financial goals are. So essentially, a budget is a tool to help you get to the financial goals you are setting. It's not hindering you. It is empowering you to get to those financial goals. So the only thing you're doing is sitting down and saying, okay, this month I received $5,000 or $1,500 or $2,000, whatever it is, everyone, no matter what your income is, should be budgeting. Whether you make a million dollars a year or 25000 a year, you need to be budgeting, period. So the most effective budgeting tool that I've come across, and I've been doing this for about six years, is a zero-based budgeting plan. Now, what that is, this template allows you to, at the top, put them how much money you anticipate coming in in that month. And then you literally give every dollar of that amount at that top, you allocate it into a category. And what this does is it stops you from thinking you have extra money every month. It stops you from blowing money every month because every dollar has a, a designated job to do that month. And within that budget, we're going to save. We're going to tithe. We're going to pay our bills on time. We're going to pay off debt. All of these are included in that one budget. So again, this is empowering you to do everything that you've written out. When you do your smart financial goals, this is a tool that's going to help you achieve that. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to, to budget every month. 
I'm so glad that you said that. And I want to hone in on, on a word that we have not heard yet here in the Wealth Series, and that is the word tithe. And so for listeners who may have heard that or, you know, maybe a casual church goer or they don't go to church at all, what is tithing? Tithing is giving 10% at least of your income back to God. So if you go to a church, you can tithe through your church. So at least 10%. And what I like to encourage, let's say your take-home pay after taxes, if you get your health insurance taken out of your check at work, you know, after everything, that money that's deposited into your account at the beginning of the month or, at, you know, at, at every two weeks, take 10% of that tithe, the money left over, take 10% of that and save it. And again, this is minimum. So if you can tithe more, if you have the, you know, the disposable income to tithe more, do that. Give more charitable donations, do that. If you are able to give more than 10% to yourself, pay yourself. So put it into either investing or your emergency fund account or your traditional savings account, do that. And thank you for that breakdown. And I know that tithing is something that can be controversial because some people don't see it as a spiritual principle. Some people see it as, you know, this is just the way that the, the church pads their pockets. And I think that, you know, first of all, anything relating to money or spirituality should be open for debate and critique. But the, the, the school that I come from is that tithing is a spiritual principle and it's really a faith walk. So in this podcast, we talk all about believing bigger. And the Bible says that where your money is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so it's one thing to pay lip service to the things that are important to you. You want to be debt free. You want to have a house on the hill. You want to drive a certain kind of car and you want to live in a certain type of neighborhood. But then if, if we go and check your balance sheets, if we go mm. and check your bank statements, your, mm -hmm. your, your money, your, your, your heart is where your treasure is, where you really, um, what you're really committed to is always manifest in the way that you spend your money. And I could spend, oh, I could spend the rest of our time together giving tithing testimonies. I realized, you know, there was a once upon a time where I was like 10%. What? <laughs> oh, you know, that, that just seemed, especially at a time, you know, where maybe my monthly income was like $1,800 a month. And I'm like, hmm, I need that, 18, that $180. But when right. I tell you, when I tell you that, I came out of that $180 in so many different ways. You know, um, car, the, the wheels fell off the car, you know, furnace breakdown, muffler fell off. I mean, just all kinds of things. And I honestly felt that was God saying, oh, okay, you can't give me 10%. Okay, well, you're going to give it. But exactly. um, <laughs> it's just going to come in another way. And, you know, my pastor believes that that 10%, you know, very much like the federal government takes their money right off the top. They don't ask you any questions about it because that's their money. My pastor teaches that, you know, that that 10 percent, that's God's money. And I, I kid you not, I don't miss it. I do not miss it. Once upon a time, I thought that was such a stretch for me. But the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. I talk about this in my devotional book, Believing Bigger. It seems hard to fathom that the more we give, the more we're, more we're going to get. But that's exactly what the Bible says. So for those of you that are struggling in that area, I'm going to tell you to pray about it. I'm going exactly. to tell you to, to seek God about it. You know, do your Googling, do your due diligence. You know, don't take everything we say at face value, but do your due diligence. But I'm telling you from my own personal experience and many other people can tell you that 
Tithing has been such a tremendous faith walk. It's opened my eyes and God has done nothing but increase and bless my ability to tithe. So the more that I have given, the more that I have gotten to give. And God says, he says, try me in this. He says, test me in this and see when I open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so tremendous that you won't even have the capacity to receive it. I, exactly. I have he lived wants, that. Go he ahead. wants to bless us. He wants to bless us. And just to go back off what you're saying, I'm a financial steward. I'm a steward in everything and every resource and everything I receive in my life. I am a steward to God. So like you said, all the money that I receive, in my opinion, all the money that's flowing around earth is God's. So when I receive money in my account, this is God's money that I am managing for the good so he can get the glory out of whatever I do with it. So when he requires 10% to go back for the maintenance of the church, I am giving that willingly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because and the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. You know, don't exactly. You, as a matter of fact, it says exactly. It says, do not give with a grudge or out of necessity. And and think about that, you know, in real life. If somebody has a gift for you and they give it to you like, here, take it. Dang. Mm -hmm. You don't even want it. You know, when, you somebody, <laughs> when somebody gives it in that type of spirit, you're like, you know what? Keep your little gift card. Keep your little <laughs> funky gift. I don't want that if that's the attitude that you're going to give it. And God is no different. He says, don't give it with a grudge. Don't give it because you feel like you have to give it. He give says, it with a cheerful heart. Yes. Also, can we talk about sustainability? Go ahead. So not only did we talk about the increase that God give, gives us as being obedient and tithing. He sustains what we have to where the $180 that you were talking about, you didn't want to give up and things start breaking down. And when God was like, oh, okay, you don't want to tithe cheerfully. Well, I'm going to start breaking things down. So you have to start paying out that money at plus more. Right. When you tithe, things tend to sustain longer. Girl, you better things, come on with it. You know, your, your stove doesn't break down as much and you don't need to replace that washer and dryer. And miraculously, your 13 year old car sitting in the driveway gets you from A to B because God knows you better that, preach on this, it. that this financial emergency is not in your plan. Thank you very much. I'm telling you, your, your gas tank can go a little bit further. Yeah, a little bit further. <laughs> You don't have to rob Peter to pay Paul as much. At the end of the month, you like, glory to God. I don't know how I got through it this month with this income, but thank you for doing it. Lord, you came through. Yes. And how many of us have those testimonies, you know, where when we, when we added up the numbers, when we scratched mm -hmm. it all out on paper, we didn't know how it was going to happen, you know, but when we trusted God and said, okay, Lord, you do it somehow he made a way, you know, I believe the word of God when he says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I can tell you, I'm a witness. I have been down, but baby, I ain't never been out. I have mm. never missed a meal. I have never been, you know, homeless. And I attribute that 100% to God because it really is by the grace. And so for those of you that are looking for areas to increase your faith, I think that this is one of those areas and I'm so glad that, you know, that Tara brought that forward. And so let's move forward just a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about the, the disciplinary aspect because there is a discipline, you know, and, and there's a, a tendency, especially in this world of social media, where it seems like, oh, somebody got a new this and somebody got a new that and 
and they're going to this vacation and they're taking that vacation. And, you know, sometimes people start to feel inadequate because they're measuring their lives, you know, by the Joneses lives that they see on social media. So how do you, what do you say to that person? You know, to those people who are struggling to stay disciplined, like they have goals, but there's, they're struggling emotionally with the things that they see other people have and they want those things too. The key for that I teach others on how to stay disciplined is to start with your why. Why have you created the financial goals that you have? Why do you want to pay off debt? Why are you paying off those credit card bills? Why are you building up that emergency fund? Why, what does attaining these goals do for you or your family? Once you dig deep into that, that will give you the drive and the discipline and the determination to sustain the discipline that it needs to take for you to get those goals accomplished. So does it alleviate stress and turmoil? Does it give your child or children a better standard of living? Can you send your children to private school? Can you start to pay cash for vacations? Do you want to build that business? What is it that's you to become financially stable or financially free or wanting to build wealth? I love that. You know, and discipline, that really is the definition of discipline. It's sacrificing what you want now for what you want most. And I think that that Tara's breakdown is the perfect articulation of what you want most. You do want to be able to live without that anxiety, without that fear, without collection notices, without pinching pennies on vacation. You know, one of the things that we have to do is just kind of like make the sacrifice now so that we can live like most people can't later. And I've seen so many testimonies from people who have applied these types of principles and now they, they, they couldn't turn back. They can't imagine that they ever lived like that. And I want you guys to know that your debt-free life, you know, it is just one decision away. It's one choice and making a commitment that this is what you're going to do and buckling down on that why, like Tara said, so that you can become financially free. So last question that I want to ask is that for people that are in debt, okay, so people that are looking at a mountain of credit card bills or a car note or student loans or what have you, for people who aspire to be debt-free, what is your strategy for paying off debt and, and to get it down and, and to keep it gone? Okay, so what I offer anyone who contacts me about any advice on paying off debt, take these steps. Number one, simplify your budget. So when you look at your budget, there are things that, you know, are that things that you can live without. So luxury expenses, dining out, a large cable bill, monthly memberships, temporarily, keyword, temporarily. So if you have a vision for the lifestyle you want, temporarily cut down on those so you increase the amount of residual income that you have each month, okay? Next, make a list of all your debts. Now, I notice that a lot of people are, this, this is where the anxiety comes in. This is where the fear comes in. When you have to look at those large student loan payments, or have to really face how much you've really been spending with your credit card, it can get tough. But really make a list of all the debts that you have, from smallest to largest. And whatever the money that you have taken out, that you freed up in step one, when you simplified your budget, we're going to start not only paying the minimum payment, but paying as much more you can each month on those debts from smallest to largest until they're paid off. What you do is, is at the top of your debt repayment plan, 
write those whys. So whenever you write that check or you send that money and you're, you know, you see your bank account dwindle and it gets discouraging to pay off that debt, write, keep writing. Why are you doing this? Why are you sending this check out? Why are you paying off these student loans? Why are you paying off these credit card bills? So that way, not only do you pay it off with great momentum and you keep going, but you won't do it again. Exactly. I love that you said, you know, making some temporary sacrifices, you know, start paying those small debts off because once you start to build that momentum, once that that small debt gets paid off, now you have that debt completely cleared and now you can take that money plus the residual income that you found from step one and start snowballing to pay off additional debts. Exactly. And it's something about crossing off that one line that you've gotten something accomplished, right? That just gives you so much satisfaction. So that's why I love it. I love it. I love crossing off. Okay, I paid off that $50 medical bill. Now let's hit up this $200 credit card payment. Okay, cross that off. Now we're going to pay off this $1,000 student loan debt. All right, we're going to cross that off. Now we're going to tackle that car loan. You know, and it just gives you more and more momentum and it gets you closer to your goal and makes you more satisfied and powered. And, you know, discipline is also rewarding to show yourself and to prove to yourself that you can be disciplined in something. It both consciously and subconsciously teaches you and makes you proud of yourself and lets you know that you do are able to accomplish more than what you are now. I absolutely love that. And the thing is, is that, you know, when we talk about financial goals, if you committed to this, you know, for the next two years, for the next three years, and I know that might seem like, oh, come on. But as you're building that momentum, as you're crossing things off, as you realize that you have more money than you have ever had, because it's not not like your, your check has changed. OK, it's not like we got these big, you know, lump sum raises or these big, you know, cash payout bonuses like they do in the banking industry. But the fact that you can take the same money that you have right now and see how much farther that dollar is stretching and how much more disposable income you have. Now that's more money that you can put in savings. Now that's more money that you can put towards vacation. Now that's more money that you can, can use to pay yourself. And so don't get discouraged in the disciplinary process. You know, that $40 trip to the movies is an extra $40 that you could put on your car note, which exactly. actually um, I do want to ask this question about allowance because you know, all work and no play makes people sad. So what is what is your take on allowance? How much should people kind of allocate just to have, you know, a little something, something for, you know, those discretionary purchases? 5%. And if you want more, make more, free up more money. That is a good incentive for getting more allow, giving more allowance to yourself, more pocket cash, free up more money, pay off that debt, and then you can have more to play with. So there you have it, folks. We heard 10% in tithing. We heard 10% in savings and 5% for discretionary income. And if you want more money to play with, then that's the incentive that you have to reduce some of these other uh, discretionary purchases, some of these bills that you can't um, can live without. You know, Netflix is $10 versus maybe your Time Warner or Xfinity bill, which might be $250. And so it's, it's making those kinds of trade-offs that really helped to accelerate your debt reduction in the end. So Tara, you have been phenomenal. Um, please tell everybody where they can find you. Where can they get more tips and more information from you? Give us all of your social media info and your website. Okay, my website slash blog is www.yourprettypennies.com. 
On Facebook, I'm very active on there. It's Your Pretty Pennies with Tara Jones. On Instagram, you can get financial, like just little snippets of financial inspiration morning, afternoon, and evening at Instagram, Your Pretty Pennies. And then on Twitter and Periscope at YPP Blog, you can find me scoping three days a week about financial education and inspiration so you can get your money right in 2016. And there it is, folks. You know, I know a lot of times when we think about wealth planning and financial advising, like this woman just dropped knowledge, nuggets, gems, diamonds, and pearls in your lap free of charge. You know, a lot of times we tend to make things harder than what they have to be. And it's kind of like diet and exercise. We could easily be having the same conversation about weight loss. The truth is, is that we all know that we need to eat better. We all know that we need to eat clean. We all know that we need to increase our exercise output. But psychologically, it's hard for some of us to make that jump. And I'm grateful that Tara and some of the other uh, panelists that we've had part of the series have just been able to kind of be that little personal trainer to give you that boost, to give you that momentum. And so Tara, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And believers, you can tweet us out at YPP blog, at Your Pretty Pennies, at Dr. Shante Says. If you have tips, comments, and takeaways about this episode, make sure that you share it and we will be sure to see you next time.